Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you had a good weekend. Thank you for joining us today to kick off a new week. Lots to talk about today as we start this new week. We have the uh, the hurricane uh, Florence uh, just wreaking havoc in uh, the Carolinas and that part of the country, and our thoughts and prayers with those folks. Uh, meanwhile, in the Midwest, it's been beautiful harvest weather and looks to be that way to start another week. We'll talk about all that with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, will join us. Biofuels industry really putting on a push, putting pressure on the administration to grant E15 sales year-round. We'll talk about that and the debate over whether or not the small refinery waivers are hurting ethanol demand or not. We will talk about that with Bob Deneen. And then, of course, there's there's still questions about the formula that was used to put together the Ag Aid package. We're going to talk with former USDA Chief Economist Joe Glauber about that uh, because the uh, current USDA Chief Economist was very involved in putting together the formula. We'll get Joe's thoughts on how it, uh, what he thinks about the uh, formula that was used to come up with the assistance. That's coming up a little bit later on in the program. But now to kind of set the stage for this week ahead, always look forward to our Monday visits with Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Mike, and I'd echo your thoughts and prayers going out to all those impacted by Hurricane Florence. It's just been devastating for so many farm families and uh, we're certainly going to keep watching and looking for ways that we can send help their way. Yeah, because uh, there, there's going to be a lot of need for a long time in, in the aftermath. Uh, all right, Sarah, I think it was a week ago I said, this looks to be a critical week for the Farm Bill. I guess we can say it again today. Yes, you can. Just keep repeating that storyline. You know, they tried to make some additional progress, but they're hampered in a, quite a few different areas. And um, I think that it's going to be really tough this week, Mike, because the House is out of session and the, the Senate is uh, in, except for Wednesday for Yom Kippur. Um, the you know the negotiations over what's going to happen with the Brett Kavanaugh nomination for Supreme Court uh, have been tossed a curve by a person who came out late to speak against his nomination um, with. Um, her comments and now offering to testify before Congress. So I think that's sucking a lot of the oxygen out of the room. Plus, we have appropriations work that's going on. So uh, hitting that September 30th deadline, as uh, Senate uh, Conference Committee Chairman uh, Pat Roberts told us, is possible, but uh, still to be determined. Uh, I think it's going to be more likely that they'll miss that September 30th deadline, but for most of the programs, it won't matter except for those 39 or so that don't have continued funding. Uh, I think what you'll see is continued negotiations over the phone this week and with some hope that they can wrap some things up, but it's pretty much a long shot at this point. Yeah, September 30th does not seem likely for getting it done now. Uh, what about the uh, the spending bills? Uh, where do we stand on those? Well, the appropriators were still really working hard to wrap up negotiations on some of their policy disputes. Of course, you know, they want to get that finished again by September 30th and, and, and on to the president's death by October 1, which is the start of the fiscal 2019 uh, year. 
but um, they still had some other things that they were working on, and I think they agreed that if they didn't get that done, that they would just move forward with the short-term continuing resolution. So um, that is, uh, again, work in progress that they're trying to finish up, but they they did move out some of the more contentious uh, issues uh, to try to ease the progress of moving forward. Uh, there are a couple that are going to be interesting to see how they end up. Uh, there's kind of a late-minute push to maybe put something in appropriations language that would stop USDA from advancing what they want to do on perhaps taking the Economic Research Service and the National Institute on Food and Agriculture and relocating it out to rural America. So there's some things like that that are still up in the air, too. But that has certainly become controversial, hasn't it? Yes, and I think USDA was really uh, surprised by the backlash, and I'm not sure why they were surprised, but in discussions with folks last week, they had heard from people internally about the potential to get more better, better younger recruits if they could be out in places where the cost of living wasn't so high. But, of course, those who currently have jobs and might be asked to move uh, raised up the arms as well as their academic community, and there's a lot of pushback right now. So we're just watching to see whether or not there'll be language in an appropriations bill to stop it or delay it, or whether uh, others will just say, well, if USDA can answer some of our questions, we'll be willing to go along with them. Let's go to trade, and on NAFTA, and especially with Canada, Sarah, we're really back to where we started from, and that is uh, a dispute over dairy. I mean, after all these weeks and months of negotiations, and maybe they've made a little progress, and we don't know how much, but that's still the sticking point. It still is. You know, dairy has been a sticking point. Farm bill negotiations near the end, um, trade negotiations near the end, and especially with the Canadians. They've got a lot of very strong advocates, especially in Quebec, where they need to deliver a package that is going to be seen as doing no harm to their producers as well. And uh, I haven't heard that they've made any substantial progress on that ground, although there seems to be a few compromises that are being floated that would allow them to save face, us to say we had a victory. And uh, at the same time, I think the president has been careful to try to uh, throw out some olive branches, make sure the Mexicans are still putting pressure on the Canadians. So um, if we can come out of this deal with something that not only does no harm to U.S. producers, but removes some of those barriers on dairy, it'll be a significant victory. Yeah, when it's all said and done in these things, you got to come out and be able to say uh, the leadership of each country has to somehow claim victory, whether you whether you believe it or not. They want to be able to try to spin that, and that's what it often comes down to. Meanwhile, it looks like uh, the situation with China, uh, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. There may be more tariffs being put on by the Trump administration. Yes, and um, it sounds like they're planning to go ahead with another $200 billion in tariffs, at about 10%, according to some of the news reports that we've seen. It seems like there is no end in sight, but we were encouraged last week by the invitation by Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin to, to reach out and, and have some better discussions with his Chinese counterparts uh, that may lead to perhaps you know some sort of a path forward outside of these tariffs. But right now, it just seems like there's an additional piling on uh, and that um, the president wants to do everything he can to maximize pressure on the Chinese. And in the meantime, you've got a lot of farm organizations pushing back 
because they're watching their bottom line, their lenders are watching their bottom line, and, uh, you know, hope only goes so far in terms of your uh, ability to stay in business. All right, so it'll be another interesting week ahead. Sarah, as always, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Mike. Have a good day. You too. Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up next, weather. So much in the news as Hurricane Florence continues uh, the damage, the aftermath, not only for the Carolinas, but uh, moving on up the East Coast, uh, headed towards uh, southern New England. A lot of people impacted by this storm. Meanwhile, beautiful weather back in the Midwest for many uh, uh, in the in harvest mode now, and the harvest is really starting to roll. We're going to talk about all that with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. When it comes to selecting your propane supplier, you have options, and switching to FS has never been easier. If you're looking to find a propane provider who's committed to providing you the professional, knowledgeable, and dependable service you deserve, be confident in choosing FS Propane. We offer flexible payment options that fit your needs so that you can focus on your family and not on your propane bill. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today and let us help make your house feel like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, weather's so much of the news. Let's check in with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, just like two different worlds, uh, you get where Florence is hit and continues to spread damage, and then you have the Midwest, which is enjoying some beautiful harvest weather. I mean, it's just uh, two extremes. Sure happens that way with a hurricane, Mike, and uh, that's Going to uh, the heavy rain is going to be an issue throughout the uh, mid-Atlantic area and maybe even west of the Ohio Valley during this week, and then moving into the Northeast. Pretty well goes along the track that the Hurricane Center had identified at the end of last week. Uh, the Midwest is going to have uh, a day or two of uh, pretty dry conditions, but uh, in the Midwest, it is going to change this week because there's a uh, a real um, a strong uh, temperature boundary that's going to set up a frontal boundary running from uh, northwestern Nebraska, east and northeast to uh, central Wisconsin. And uh, that boundary is just going to kind of park over the uh, northwestern part of the Midwest, and it's going to lead to a pretty good round of rain, actually, uh, during the uh, next uh, four days uh, over the area from uh, central Iowa, north to Minnesota, Wisconsin, eastern Dakotas, into eastern Nebraska. And then it could sag southward, into Illinois and uh, southeastern Iowa during the end of this week. So farmers will try to get as much done as they can before that. And in the meantime, you talk about temperatures. It has felt like summer here in much of the Midwest the last few days. Yes, it has. Uh, it really has dried crops out and, and um, you know, maybe a little bit too dry. We'll see. But uh, the overnight lows this week are going to be probably record warm, uh, well above normal running about uh, 20 degrees above normal. And, yes, the uh, daytime temperatures have been in that uh, much above normal category as well. Um, A lot of readings in the low 90s certainly felt like early August instead of early September. There's no doubt about that. All right, so some rain coming into the Midwest, as you said, mid to late week. Uh, How long does that stick around? Does that carry over into next week? I think it is, uh, especially uh, west of the Mississippi. The uh, the forecast uh, patterns have uh, a a very stubborn uh, low pressure trough in the upper atmosphere to show up over the Pacific Northwest, and that's going to be a uh, longer term feature, or at least medium term, I should say, over the next couple weeks. And then there's going to be a high pressure over the Ohio Valley, uh, Northern Delta, Tennessee Valley area. Uh, so the uh, boundary between uh, those two varying upper air features is going to run north, uh, south, southwest to northeast from southern Colorado, uh, northeast to Lake Superior. And it's going to be that boundary that uh, sets up to uh, be the rainmaker. So the northwestern half of the Midwest is uh, going to be in line for more rain uh, during next week. And then farther south, it's looking much better. Um, the majority of the Ohio Valley outside of uh, the 
the upper part of uh, that basin uh, that's getting the Florence rain, but the uh, remainder of the Ohio Valley, uh, the Delta, Missouri Boot Heel, into uh, central Indiana, most of Illinois, uh, they're all going to have uh, decent conditions for harvest. All right, so we look at Florence, uh, with the, the damage widespread. Uh, has anything surprised you or been unexpected in the way Florence is tracked? No, it hasn't. Uh, you know, not after the, uh, the uh, track was laid out and uh, the progression of the storm was pretty well identified. It's, it's pretty much gone along uh, the, the track that was called for. And uh, now we're seeing the tropical low with the remnants of that hurricane moving through the um, Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia and West Virginia, getting ready to move farther northward into central Pennsylvania, and then finally uh, become extratropical over the next uh, few days or actually lose uh, the identity uh, somewhere in the northeast. But uh, that storm uh, pretty much tracked along uh, the way the forecast uh, models have laid it out by about Tuesday of last week. And uh, with that heavy rain and uh, the, you know, the resultant uh, continued character of that uh, heavy rain pattern. Any other storms brewing we should keep an eye on? Well, the tropics are active right now. Uh, the uh, scenario is uh, still, you know, not uh, done with in the Atlantic by any means. Uh, the the uh, basin is, is still, uh, you know, likely to produce uh, another round or two of uh, hurricane possibilities before it's all said and done. Uh, the rest of this week does not look that threatening uh, in terms of uh, the Atlantic. And, you know, we see that after a hurricane makes landfall, that things kind of calm down a little bit before it all gets going again. But right now, the balance of this week out in the Atlantic and in the Gulf uh, look uh, fairly uh, quiet uh, in terms of actually any named storms. I think that that uh, offers then the potential for this uh, stationary frontal boundary to kind of uh, assume a center, uh, center stage, and it uh, is uh, very much likely to do so in the form of rainfall and uh, these harvest delays we've been talking about. What about around the globe? What are some of the trouble areas weather-wise you see? Well, first off the bat, uh, over the weekend, Mike, Western Australia got cold. Uh, the grain country in Western Australia had temperatures drop into the upper 20s Fahrenheit, so they had a hard freeze over the weekend. Now, this is uh, not good news for the, for the total Australia wheat crop, especially in Western Australia, because that part of Australia had the best-looking wheat. You know, it's been very dry in eastern Australia, but now uh, there's uh, questions uh, about uh, possibly um, around a, uh, at least a 20% decline in the uh, wheat crop coming out of western Australia because of the freeze damage. That remains to be seen, of course. Um, speaking of wheat in Russia, there were a few showers over the weekend, but this week is uh, looking pretty dry. And their uh, wheat planting doesn't have the best-looking round of moisture for it. And then in Brazil, uh, there is rainfall that's taken place in Mato Grosso during the weekend. More is on the way for this week. They, uh, in Mato Grosso, this past weekend was the first day of uh, being able to officially plant soybeans. So I think that they're going to be able to get planting more or less going on track. And that's always uh, favorable for them because of that multi-crop season that they have in effect. It's always good to get that first crop going 
more or less on schedule, and I think that that indeed is playing out in central Brazil. All right, talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, come back, coming back to the Midwest, uh, what do you see as uh, any early frost dates or about normal? What do, you, what do you see for this fall? I'll be honest, Mike, I'm not concerned about frost right now at this point at all. I mean, not after the uh, kind of temperatures that we've had. The uh, occurrence of frost is uh, most likely to be no earlier than the first part of October, if even that. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, first occurrence of uh, 32 degrees or so in that October 5 to 12 time frame, that first full week of our, for uh, first full weekend of October, and then into the middle part of the month. But it has been so warm um, up to this point that I don't think that there is any uh, threat to uh, crops at all from uh, the first uh, the first freeze uh, situation. If anything. Freezing conditions right now would be helpful in terms of uh, offering some late-season insect control and maybe killing a few weeds and that type of thing. But it's going to be a while yet before we see that. Well, and if it turns off wet, we may need that colder weather to firm up the ground, too. Uh, We certainly could. The the thing about the character of this temperature trend is that I'm not too confident that that would really happen because uh, we would need the uh, temperatures to get very cold i mean around 20 or so for several days and my goodness the way this pattern is acting we're not going to see that for a while probably not until the latter half of october what'll be interesting and it's also a reminder because i'm just thinking when you're talking about rain coming into the midwest where harvest is starting to roll now for this week uh, farmers going to try to get a lot done ahead of that and this is national farm safety week it's uh it's our reminder to be careful out there yeah you're trying to get a lot done but uh, don't uh, don't push too hard don't take uh, shortcuts on safety be careful very much so and that of course goes uh, goes along with um, transporting machinery and i know that's a real headache for growers and uh and i know that growers have to uh, be very much on the defensive when it comes to uh, machinery and, re- and uh, connection with traffic and so forth. And uh, so this is a, a real uh, tough time of the year. Speaking of that, Mike, uh, one thing that may have helped the, um, the agricultural situation in North Carolina ahead of uh, the hurricane last week was there was an early disaster declaration by uh, North Carolina's governor, uh, in which case there was uh, the clearance given uh, officially for moving heavy machinery on the road on the roadways, and that may have allowed at least some harvest to get done in North Carolina ahead of the onset of the hurricane. Yeah, we know they were trying to get as much done as they could. All right, Bryce, thanks a lot. Always good to talk with you. You too, Mike. Thank you. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, coming up next, Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. U.S. stocks opened lower on Monday as we traded within striking distance of records but were held down by worries about intensifying trade clashes with China. China saying it may decline the offer for renewed trade talks if President Trump carries out reports of imposing $200 billion in tariffs. Shares of Tyson Foods fell about 2% in pre-market trade on Monday after the meats company said Chief Executive Tom Hayes would be stepping down for personal reasons. The company appointing Noyle White as the new CEO. The president instructing aides to proceed with tariffs on about $200 billion more in Chinese products. The president tweeting early Monday, Tariffs have put the U.S. in a very strong bargaining position. In soybeans, we're a penny or two lower an hour into Monday's trade. Corn futures, a penny to two and a fraction lower. For now, November soybeans holding just around key support from 821 and a quarter to 826 and a quarter. On the upside, the 10-day moving average, first resistance at 839 and a half. December corn, for now that market hovering just above support at 348 and three quarters on the upside minor resistance lies at 355 and a half in chicago wheat kansas city we have seen two-sided trade activity on this monday currently firm minneapolis spring wheat some seven and a fraction higher for livestock at the Merck, losses in cattle and hog futures, live cattle 50 to $1.17 lower, 77 to $1.12 lower in feeder cattle, in lean hogs $1.45 to $2.10 lower. Wall Street, the Dow up 7, NASDAQ down 70. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Well, over the weekend, I was getting some E15 for my uh, for my car, pumping that uh, into the tank and thinking, well, now again, much of the rest of the country can too, where it is available. It's uh, finally we're through that uh, summer blackout period for E15 sales for much of the country. Something that I know the renewable fuels industry thinks, um, you know, shouldn't happen. It should be allowed year-round, not have that summer blackout. Let's talk about it with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Bob, thanks for joining us. Uh, well, we've gone through another one. Let's hope this was the last time we'll have that uh, blockage of E15 in the summer. Well, I sure hope you're right. There is absolutely no reason why consumers anywhere ought to be denied the access to a higher-octane, lower-priced fuel during the summer months, the high-driving season. Uh, but that's the way antiquated government regulations have it now. President Trump, of course, has repeatedly said he wants to have those regulations removed. He wants to uh, free uh, consumers to utilize that fuel if it is appropriate for their vehicle and their wallet. Uh, EPA is not yet listening. They've got to start a regulatory process. I hope they do so soon, or indeed uh, we'll lose next summer as well. So somebody's going to get off the snide pretty quickly and and start to listening to the president, listening to consumers, listening to farmers. They would like to have a a greater market opportunity. uh, I mean, they've been teasing about this for some time. I mean, uh, are are we getting any indication that they are about to make a decision, or is it just, or we feel, kind of feels like they're stringing everyone along on this? Well, they have been talking about it a fair amount, and you wonder if it's just lip service or indeed, They are going to do something at some point. What's troubling is when they talk about it these days, and I say they, when EPA talks about it these days, uh, they're most frequently talking about it in terms of, well, it'll be part of a deal, part of a package. Uh, We've got to make the refiners happy if we're going to do something for farmers. And to that I said, what in the world are you talking about? You, You made refiners happy. Scott Pruitt went on a demand destruction campaign while he was EPA administrator. He robbed the industry of two and a quarter billion gallons of biofuel demand. Refiners have gotten what they wanted. Nobody called us and said, hey, we're going to take away two and a quarter billion gallons of demand. uh, So, you know, what uh, sugar can we give you with that medicine? Uh, No, it was just uh, a gift to uh, some of the wealthiest companies on the face of the planet. Uh, so we get real frustrated when we hear this nonsense about it'll be part of a deal. No, there, there's no deal necessary here. Uh, they just need to do what's right, what's right for consumers, what's right for America's farmers, and what's right for U.S. energy and environmental security. Well, you mentioned demand destruction, and uh, I find it interesting that there is a debate on this uh, I mean, our friend uh, Scott Orwin at the University of Illinois says he sees no demand destruction for ethanol because of the uh, uh, the small refinery exemptions. Uh, what's your reaction to that? I think, uh, you know, he, Scott Irwin didn't peel away enough layers of the onion because he acknowledges that uh, uh, ethanol producers have lowered their price considerably in order to essentially buy back 
some of that lost demand. So he's he acknowledges in his own analysis that there's been demand destruction, uh, but he says, well, uh, you know, on a, on a volume basis, there hasn't been, uh, you know, much lost. Well, that's not true as well when you look at what uh, ethanol demand would have been without those waivers. Uh, but it also ignores, although he recognizes it, it largely ignores the fact that there has been price destruction that has hurt this market, that has kept other marketers from opting into E15 and higher-level blends, that has hurt the bottom line for ethanol producers and thus farmers across the country. Look, <laughs> um, what Scott um, Irwin did was, you know, just look at, uh, you know, demand versus a year ago. Well, demand would have been much higher. And EPA absolutely did harm uh, to this industry, to farmers across this country, and they need to make that right. We're talking with Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Bob, can you give us any update on the, on the multiple lawsuits you have filed right now <laughs> against EPA? Uh, well, they're all moving forward. Uh, uh, you know, the latest one that we filed was a Freedom of Information Act uh, lawsuit trying to get information from EPA uh, with respect to what oil companies were given these waivers, uh, what criteria was used in awarding them, what has changed when for the first 10 years of the program there was never more than two or three granted, and all of a sudden last year there were more than 30 granted. So, you know, something changed. Well, what was it? It is awful that we've had to go to the courts to try to get some transparency and some answers to fundamental questions about the implementation of this program. We feel good about our chances of getting satisfaction through the courts, on the certainly on the Freedom of Information Act request, but uh, also just trying to get the courts to hit the reset button to stop EPA from ignoring the statute and um, giving out waivers to companies that have no hardship uh, attributable to the implementation of this important program. Bob, back to the E15 year-round sales, I'm just thinking, you know, some might say, well, it's not an issue till next summer. But the sooner it would be announced, wouldn't that, wouldn't that give the signal to uh, uh, – Retailers out there that would be thinking about or kind of on the fence, do we put in the E15 or not? That would give them the signal to go ahead if they knew they could sell it all next year and and into the future. Well, that's a really good point. Uh, Simply by proposing the rule and letting the process get started, it does send a signal to the marketplace that the administration is working toward expanding ethanol use, not aggressively working uh, to curtail ethanol use as the EPA, under the stewardship of uh, Administrator Pruitt, was doing. So it, it would have a huge impact on the marketplace just by starting the process. Now we wait for uh, the 2019 uh, numbers to be announced by EPA, but unless you, we get some clarification on uh, on their policy on on the waivers, that's kind of anticlimactic when those numbers come out. Yeah, anticlimactic, I would say meaningless. I mean, obviously the 15 million gallons of demand that was uh, promised to us last November for the 2018 program 
was meaningless because we're looking at about 13.3 billion gallons of demand from this program. You know, if EPA is going to continue to reward some of the most profitable oil companies on the face of the planet uh, with relief from this program and not implement it even as its own regulations have stipulated, then, you know, the ethanol industry can't count on that number. Farmers can't count on that number. And most importantly, consumers can't count on the widespread availability of higher octane, lower priced renewable fuels like ethanol and biodiesel. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous that the administration has committed to implementing the renewable fuel standard as designed by the statute and according to the numbers that Congress had specified, while at the same time granting waivers that make a mockery of all of that. Bob, I also wanted to ask you, what do you make of ADM uh, pushing more ethanol into the Chicago market? Well, that also, I would suggest, is a consequence of the reduced demand. I mean, uh, if we had a more robust RFS, uh, ADM wouldn't be forced to do that. Uh, You know, I'm sure they're doing what they think is in the best interest of their stockholders. And, you know, that means that they've got to push products wherever they can, and they're pushing others out. Uh, But it is really unfortunate that uh, that is a consequence of the administration's failure to implement the renewable fuel standard as Congress had designed it and as consumers demand it. Meanwhile, in this time of trade wars and tariffs and retaliation, how is all this impacting our export of ethanol? Well, uh, exports are still going to be robust this year, but that's, uh, frankly, uh, feather in the cap of the ethanol industry that has worked so hard to build markets across the globe. Uh, But our fastest-growing market had been China. Uh, We will obviously export uh, virtually nothing to China this year as they imposed a 70% tariff in part in response to actions that we had taken. Uh, The Canadian market is threatened. Uh, The Mexican market now is being threatened. Uh, We do see uh, some ethanol still getting to Brazil, but Brazil has imposed uh, increased tariffs on on ethanol in response to actions that we had taken on steel. Uh, So I think it's remarkable that our exports uh, continue to grow in the face of all of these challenges in key markets. And again, it is because the ethanol industry itself has worked so hard to develop uh, additional markets. We exported to more than 60 countries across the globe uh, last year, and uh, we're on pace to do the same this year. And there's great global demand for octane, and so that is sustaining uh, a, a vibrant export market. But it is not anywhere near as robust as it could be. We will do probably 1.7, maybe 1.8 billion gallons this year, Frankly, we could be doing double that. All right, Bob, thanks a lot, and hopefully we'll talk one of these days soon about the the announcement on E15 year-round. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for the update. Thank you, Mike. Bob Deneen, President, CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Up next, we're going to talk about the formula and the reasoning behind it, how they came up with the Ag Assistance Package, next on AOA. 
I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom... What about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah! No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 
Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, there have been a lot of questions asked about uh, how did USDA come up with this formula for their ag assistance package with we only have half of it right now, uh, but a dollar sixty-five a bushel for soybeans, a penny a bushel for corn. So corn growers not real happy. Wheat growers not real happy with it either. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, get some perspective on it. Uh, Joe Globbers with us. Joe, senior research fellow with the International Food Policy Research Institute and former USDA chief economist. And uh, Joe. Uh, First of all, are you glad you weren't having to come up with it, uh, <laughs> come up with this formula? Were you were you just kind of an yeah, interested an spectator? <laughs> you asked an easy question there. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, it's tough. I I, I was involved uh, over my 30 years there a couple times on compensation packages, mainly for domestic quarantines and things like that. And it's it's tough. You just you know, there's a lot of factors to take into account. Um, you know, I look at this particular case with with the soybeans you know who you know when you, you can compare two points in time but the the chinese tariffs aren't the only things that have happened in those markets and it, it i think it is very very tough what they've been asked to do um so i'm not envious i think the big question what i I think everyone understands, okay, if you're you're looking at China, we sell more soybeans to China, obviously, than, than corn. So the number was going to be bigger for soybeans than corn. But it was how big a difference, $1.65 versus a penny. Did that surprise you? Yeah, it did. I mean, I, I, it, 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 it doesn't surprise me seeing their methodology. Their methodology essentially said, well, let's calculate the actual trade loss uh, to uh, because of these tariffs, so you, frankly, we haven't been doing very much business with corn because of 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 actions the Chinese have taken over the last few years, and because of that, there's there was hardly any trade to China. Yet everyone knows uh, if you're talking about you know something that hurts soybean prices, um, markets adjust in the corn market pretty quickly as well. And certainly, if you look at those futures charts uh, for these corn and, and November beans, uh, they they look like they've been riding the same wave downward, unfortunately. And the other thing, I guess, is, is you know, you look at sorghum, and sorghum, of course, has a pretty big payout uh, of, I think, 43 cents or something like that. And they, the sorghum prices have is that sorghum, uh, we 
we have been exporting a lot of uh, sorghum to China. Why? Because China took actions against corn a few years ago, and sorghum was a big beneficiary. I, I don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not. Uh, uh, they they too have seen their prices drop. So anyone there but but it does it's the corn issue that I think is is the one that most people have I think raised raised questions about what do you make of having been in that position to do similar type programs what do you make of the the formula they use and and uh, the the rationale behind using that particular formula well um, again the formula they use would be perfectly appropriate in a trade damage case. So, for example, if if China were to, uh, if we were to challenge China and the WTO about those tariffs, and we'd say, look, uh, we think those tariffs are illegal damages, then if the, a panel ruled in your favor and China refused to do anything about it and said, okay, we'll pay the damages instead, then that would be a kind of an acceptable a range of, of, of damages uh, that, that they would pay. But but understand that that isn't necessarily the same thing as, as what damage to, to producers are uh, for precisely the reasons we discussed earlier. So, uh, again, it, it, it's a methodology, and I think that, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it's fairly transparent. I mean, I, I granted this, all the, the equations and everything that, that are used to generate those numbers are... <laughs> are less transparent even to to economists, but uh, uh, they are what they are. And 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 I think I you know in in reading I say okay I can see what they've done here. You know the other way would have been kind of looking at at you know, you know you've seen some other analyses. Farm Doc had uh, put out a nice little piece a few uh, weeks ago of comparing what you know the say the world ag supply and demand estimates were implying in in May relative to what they're applying, uh, you know, would imply now. And there you have, you know, prices for soy down about $1.40 from what USDA was first thinking and uh, sorghum down about 30 cents. And, and those seem pretty, pretty much in line with, with what, uh, um, you know, the compensation amounts end up or, or look like. Corn, on the other hand, you know, is down uh, 30 cents or so. Um, and, and yet, that that seems to be out of line, obviously, with with the compensation amount. So, again, there are plenty of ways to cut this thing. I think they they chose uh, a methodology that that I again is transparent, so you can look at it and say, okay, I see what they they did. Um, it's just there are there are so many factors that are at work here, and you know, if you pick your um, your methodology, you're going to have you're going to have to deal with those factors one way or the other, and I think that mm-hmm. that is, is a difficult task. And I'm sure they'll course, get comments a... on, on this from, <laughs> and already have oh, yeah. comments from a lot of people. Lots of comments. And I was just wondering, because this is just the first part of this, there may be a, the rest of it, depending on what happens with trade. Would you, would you expect that they would use the same formula then for the other half? Well, I, 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 I'd say certainly reading the 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 little uh, analysis that was done uh, would, would suggest suggest that, although they, they, you know, they point out that, hey, this is early in the crop year. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, uh, but whether or not that would mean, well, they would revisit the corn issue or not, I, I don't know. Um, uh, I, 
obviously the the secretary has a lot of flexibility in in this matter because they um you know these are are all sort of ad hoc uh um uh, programs in in the sense of of coming up with this thing to compensate for a, a very unusual action by the chinese so so all right. i guess the, what i'm saying is that could happen we'll yep. we'll see we'll stay tuned on that one well joe interesting perspective thank you for being with us you bet, Mike. Yep. And and be glad that your phone's not ringing for people complaining yeah. about it, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Former USDA chief economist Joe Glauber. All right. That does it for today. Hey, be careful. Let's have a safe harvest, everyone. Hope you'll join us tomorrow on AOA Adams on Agriculture. <laughs>